I would love to start today saying that getting ready for this sermon was a really challenging task. I don't need to explain all of you all the challenges that we are facing. And just having the opportunity to share the word brings always the question of what should I preach? What should be the verses I should preach to encourage my brothers and sisters? But then I remember a professor who said one day to the class, bring to the people the word that the Lord is using to minister yourself. So doing that and thinking on that, I've been studying personally the epistle of Hebrews. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25 this morning. But before we start, I want to I wanna talk about this. I want to ask how many of you have been to Disneyland or Disney World? Parents, friends, family, everyone talks to children how much fun they will have at Disney. How much joy, how much excitement, how amazing it is. It's the happiest place in the world, isn't it? So all this creates such a big expectations in the hearts and minds of children and many adults too. And when, the, and when finally the great, the great day arrives and they are in the line waiting to enter the park, you can see how their little brains are about to explode and how they try to open wide, wide open their eyes to capture everything. It's not easy to deal with that amount of excitement and it's hard to process it because you have been hearing for so long how amazing this dream of a trip is. So, well, this is probably an absurd illustration to explain what the Jews of the first century experienced. They heard from over 8,500 years about the amazing privilege that it was to enter to the Holy of Holies. Only one man was able to enter once a year to the place where God's presence was. It was a place to talk with God, to talk with the, with the Creator, to pray to Him. But we know that only the high priest was able to enter and do this and talk and receive from the Lord as Moses did back in, in Exodus. And, and the Bible says that God talked with Moses as, as he talks with the friend. So just try to imagine being in God's presence. It was such a blessing. It is such a blessing. But for the Jews of the first century, it was something that they probably thought about it, but they knew that was impossible for them. It was probably just a dream for them. Some of them probably dream about it. So we're talking about 1,500 years of dreams. And I just tried to place myself there and says, what could God will tell me? Would I fall on my face like Isaiah? Or my face will shine like Moses's after being exposed to so much glory? How incredible it will be. But in the end, it was just a dream because they knew the that only one man was able to enter once a year with no possibility to give access to anyone else. But then Christ came, he died and the veil was torn down 
And Jesus communicated to the people that if they believed in him, they will have access forever to the perfect and holy presence of God. They will have access to the Holy of Holies. At the time of this epistle, many of the Jews confessed they trust Christ. But some of them seem to be like these children at Disneyland. They have been dreaming about entering for a long time. And now that they can enter, that they can enter to the presence of God, they seem unable to respond. The reaction is like, and now what? So the passages we're going to study today answers that question. The holy and holy is open. Now what? So let's just please join me. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 19, verses 9 to 25. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he had opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, no neglecting to meet together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that the day, uh, the day drawing near. So with these passages, we're, we're going to see or we're going to be meditating in four responses that we can give now to Christ that has given us access to God's presence. The first one will be entering with, com with confidence. The second one will be draw near with a true heart. The third one is hold fast to the confession of our faith. And the fourth is reassure that all will persevere. So let, us, let me pray for us as we go to the, the word this morning. Father, we, we love you and we pray to you this morning that you will open our understanding and Father, that we will be able to understand what a big blessing it is to be in the presence, in your presence. Father, thank you for Christ that gave us access. And Father, we just pray that this morning you will help us to understand the message that you have for us. Father, we pray for our elders. We pray for the authorities of this nation. We pray, Father, for the local authorities, and we pray, Father, for the social and political unrest, as well as the problems with the virus that is attacking all the world. Father, we know that our trust is set on you, and we can trust that because of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, and we pray this morning in the name of Christ. Amen. So, the first point is entering with confidence. And that's based on, on the verses 19 to 21. Now, and you can read those, but then the author here is making a summary. He reminds us that the access that we have is because of the cross. 
And it was through Jesus' blood that we have been perfected. All of our sin have been forgiven, erased, and the Lord has promised to have no memory of our sin. And these things are true. We are cleansed, and we have freedom to enter to the Holy of Holies. The reason that the veil existed was because the people were sinners, and they cannot have access to God's presence. But now that Christ has eradicated the sin in the people, we have access with freedom. And that's what verse 19 is telling us. An important word here is brother, as the author is using it. Because when we listen to this word, or we read this word in the New Testament literature, we often think that it's used the way Paul will use it, that it, that it was meaning fellow believers. But we need to remember that the author of the, of the epistle to the Hebrews, he probably was a Jewish author. So he's, he's talking to other Jewish people as brothers. And we have an example in Acts 2, when Peter is preaching to the Jewish people, he talked to them as brothers, as he's instructing them to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So they were not believers, but Peter is using this word of brothers because they were Jewish as well. The author of Hebrews is even more specific when he addresses Jews who profess Jesus as the Christ. We know this because in, in Hebrews 10.23 that we just read, he speaks of holding fast to the profession of hope that the Jews were professing Christ, Jesus as Christ. The author of the letter of this epistle was concerned that these people, when persecuted, will consider abandoning their profession of faith and return to Judaism. Therefore, the author of Hebrews exhorts his original audience because he knows that their faith is not that strong right now. They, they, they are having doubts. So therefore, he asked them to persevere, knowing that if they did not persevere, they were only professing a faith, but not being true believers. So in Hebrews, in Hebrews we find a mixture of encouragement and warning. The text in general presents the superiority of Christ in every sense. The epistle presents a section of encouragement, persevere in Christ. He's the highest priest that we can ever imagine. He's the best high priest that we can ever thought about. But in the other hand, there's an exhortation saying, do not abandon the faith. This point is very important when we get to the end of this paragraph. Verse 19 goes on to say, that we are free to enter to the Holy of Holies. The doors are wide open. There's no longer a veil. The question for the first century you will be, but what do you mean I can enter to the Holy of Holies? Because I know that I cannot just go right now to the temple and try to enter to the Holy of Holies because they will kill me. They will think I'm coming to make a profane act. Well, the chapter nine in, he in Hebrews explains us that Christ does not serve in the physical tabernacle, on the tabernacle in this earth, but he serves, he ministers in the royal, the heavenly tabernacle. The one here is just a copy. It's a big image of the real heavenly tabernacle, where is where Christ is ministering. So what? that's what the author is saying. That's the context 
of chapter 10. This is why the Christians now have access to the throne of God. And not only do they have access, but they have the confidence to enter and they can remain there. But what does that mean? Well, many misinterpret this. And, and we know there's a lot of different doctrines and, and groups that they are saying you can enter to the throne of God and start demanding for the things you want. As you can tell God what you want him to give you. But Solomon gives us a great principle in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 to 3. And Solomon tells us, Guard your step when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, but a fool's voice with many words. The holiness of God has not changed. And that's what Solomon is telling us. Guard your steps. It's better to be humble, to approach, to listen first. Having confidence does not mean that we can recklessly enter to God's presence to demand anything. It means that we have the confidence that when we enter the presence of God, that, that is the place where we belong. That no one can come and tell you, do, you don't belong here. Because by the blood of Christ, we are adopted children of God. That's our home. Being justified by the cross, we can enter to the holy presence of God. Not on our merit, but only by the only reason that we have received the blood of Christ for this. And that's what Hebrews 10.14 talks about. So let's go to Hebrews 10.14 and we read, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It says that Christ, with one offering, made it perfect those who will be sanctified. And our sin has been washed out, as Paul will say, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where it says, For our sake he made him to be seen who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we have Christ's righteousness. If I ask you right now, does Christ has, Christ has access to the Holy of Holies? The obvious answer is yes, of course, he's Christ, of course he has access. Well... As a Christian, you have access to the Holy of Holies because you have the living Christ and because of that, you have Christ's righteousness. God has given his own justice to all who believe. So in the true conquest of death, God decided to give us Christ's righteousness so we can have all the privileges that Christ has and gives us. 
it's clear, and we know this, Ezekiel 18.20 said at one point that the soul that sinned, that one shall die. That's what Ezekiel tells us. But when Christ died our death, our death was canceled. We are dressed in the same justice of God because of the justice of the Lord Jesus. Jesus opened a way for us to enter the holy presence of God. That's what verse 20 says. That we enter a new path, the veil that is his flesh. That what was a dream, Christ made it come true. And this is a new way. It's a new way through the Son. It's not a death way either. The reason why we have access is not because just the death of Christ, but because Christ lives today. We can enter God's presence because Christ was resurrected, and therefore we can walk a living path. So let's see how the path come to be. It says that when that we can enter through the veil. But we have to remember, and we have to remember, there was a veil. We saw the image. There was a veil there that we have to come through. But at the end of the verse, it says that the veil is Christ's flesh. And this is a tremendous truth. The Lord Jesus' flesh refers to the humanity of Christ. Just as in the old way, you have to enter through the veil. Now, you have to enter through the veil that was Christ himself. Christ's humanity is now the veil. And as the veil was torn down, Christ was torn down himself. When the Lord died, his person replaced the veil. He's the one who invites us to come to the presence of God. To believe in the cross, to believe in the incarnation of Christ, is to pass through the veil. When we think of the effectiveness of our priest, when we can think of the power that this high priest has, we can just say, what a mediator. What a great, great priest we have. He can lead us into the very presence of God. What priest could do this? Christ could not only enter and stay there, but he invites us, those who have believed in him, and that's incredible. And it tells us that he ministers over the house of God. And we can see that also in Hebrews 3, 6. So Hebrews 3, 6 is going to be telling us about Christ serving over the house of God. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So this is saying that Christ ministers over the house of God, which, which we are. So in that image of entering the Holy of Holies is not that we have to travel to reach the house of God, but Christ brought the, the house of, of God to us to, for us to be the house of God, for us to be the place where God has his home. He decided to do that through his Holy Spirit. So the Old Testament tabernacle existed so that God could dwell with his people, and now he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And we know all this is spiritual right now, 
But Revelations 21 talks about one day he will make his tabernacle on this earth with us and we will reign with Christ for eternity. What else can the author of Hebrews tell us that just brings us to our knees and to awe? The only thing that we can say is thank you, Lord. Now, the author of Hebrews draws the attention to his audience, and we will see this in verse 22 in our second action, the second action that we can take that is draw near with a true heart. So our second point this morning is to draw near with a true heart, and that's, that's based on verse 22 that you can read there. And the idea here of, of drawing near with a true heart is let's get closer. And the question could be get, get, get closer where? Well, to the Holy of Holies. And then the question is, where is that? Well, it's where God is sitting in the throne of the universe with Christ at his right hand. Pay special attention to the idea of drawing near because it is the second time that the author uses this verb to draw close. We can see that also in Hebrews 4 verse 16. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ gains us access to the Holy of Holies, to the throne of grace. We have access to God, to the throne of the universe. Now, access is different than getting closer. We have access and not, uh, we can have access and not get closer. I can access to the kingdom's room, but not approach the king's feet. I think one common way to understand these passages is that when we are entering to the process, to the to the presence of the king, or we are entering the holy of holies, or the throne of grace, or, or the throne of grace, normally people think this means prayer, and that is true. But the context of Hebrews ten is not prayer, but worship. So pay attention to what Hebrews ten verse one says. Because in the Old Covenant, the Jews were coming to present their sacrifices to God. It's all about worshiping God. So let's see what Hebrews 10.1 says. For since the law has, has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the truth from these Israelites, I can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. It's about worship. It's about coming to offer a sacrifice that was continually offered. The author tells us that we must approach God to present our sacrifice. And our sacrifice is our life. We know this. Paul tells us this in Romans 12.1. It's a really well-known verse. Everything we do, we do it in front of the king. The Christian, and listen to this, the Christian lives his life in the Holy of Holies. So the problem is not now the entering or accessing the Holy of Holies, but is that I can be there without approaching to the King's feet in adoration. So that's what the author is calling us out to do. Therefore, everything we do must be an act of worship to God. If we have access to the Holy of Holies, that's what we have to be doing. It's 
offering our sacrifices, offering our lives. The veil has been removed. Now we have access. We can come and give the Lord the sacrifices he deserves. Now the author gives us two instructions and he gives us two motivations. So the instructions is we must have a true heart and we have to be confident as we approach. And the two motivations is that we have to be reminded that we have been purified and cleansed by Christ. So we must approach with a true heart, without hidden motives. If we are going to enter to the chambers of the king of the universe, we better enter with a pure heart. We must be transparent because these kings knows everything. So we need to enter with pure motives. If we enter the throne, the room, the room of the throne, the throne's room, is because we really want want to please Him. Is because we want to offer our life and service. In addition, we must approach with certainty of faith. We have to come knowing clearly with our faith that we can trust this God. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible possible to please God. It is necessary that that one who comes near says, knows that he rewards people that seek him. So if we're going to approach him, let's, let's do that, trusting that he wants to bless us, that he's capable to bless us, and that he, uh, and that we have to be confident in that power. We must, we must enter with confidence in the power that God has. The author does not want us to have our confidence in ourselves. But as the author of Hebrews tells us in verse 22 that we, that, that we have read, we must enter because we have been purified of an evil conscience. The law could never wash a man from within the conscience accuses of sin. The, and the sacrifices could never erase that. But it was Christ, when he entered the, the throne, we must, when, when Christ entered the throne and got there, he gave us access. So if we're going to come here, we have to enter clean. When we enter the presence of God, when we are before the throne, we enter clean and purified from an evil conscience. That was, that's what the author is telling us in verse 22. But not only he washes us inside out, but our bodies are, wash, are, are washed also. If we are going to present ourselves to the king, we want to be clean inside, but also out. You, you will shower yourself to, to go into the presence of the Lord into the presence of the king, into the presence of an authority, you, you, will, you will wash yourself. And this is an illustration that the Bible will use often, that we are going to be washed inside and out. Jesus said that in John 3, chapter 3, verse 5. He says that you must be born of water and spirit. And he's saying this because he's quoting Ezekiel 36, verses 25 and 26, which is a key passage for the new covenant. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 26 says, I will sprinkle clean water in you, and you shall be clean. 
from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's a beautiful verse, but it talks about how he's going to cleanse us from the inside and the outside. The promise of the new covenant is that, is that cleanse. So those who have are believers have entered to being justified by the blood of Christ. They are fully washed. So if we are fully washed, we can come close to the feet of the king. If we decide and we want to offer our lives as a sacrifice to him. Now, our third point is to hold fast to the confession of our faith. And that's based on uh, verse 23. To hold fast to the confession of our faith. Logic is simple. What should the person who access to the Holy of Holies should do? Well, first approach and then don't go away. Don't go out. But the question is, how do I stay there? And the answer is that we must keep our profession of faith. Then uh, when we continue to profess Christ, to be firm without hesitation, without doubts, our profession of faith has to be like that, it has to be solid. Remember that the context reminds us that they were Jews who professed that Jesus was the Christ. But then the persecution came. And the doubts were that, what if Christ doesn't fulfill what he promised? Some wanted to leave the faith and just return to Judaism. The author says, if one doesn't maintain the profession of faith till the end, until the last time, that means that this person was not saved. It's important to remember the author is not saying that this person is going to lose his salvation. He's saying he never had it. Speaking theologically, like those in Matthew 7 that said, Lord, Lord, and Jesus answered, I never knew you. Or those in 1 John 2.19, that they, it says that they went out from us but because they were not of us. So the evidence is that those who are saved by Christ will persevere because God makes them persevere. Now, the, the abandonment of the profession is that is, is of that one that hasn't entered the Holy of Holies. So let us approach the throne of God and, say, and stay there so that our profession of faith will not falter. The last point that we're going to see this morning is, is about persevering is a reassurance that everyone will persevere and that one is based on the verses 24 and 25 it's 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 a beautiful point because it's reassuring that everyone will remain will persevere and i want to create uh, uh, tell you a little story what do you think of a family that goes to a long trip and when they arrive to their destination the wife suddenly says where is her youngest one? And then the, the dad responds, Oh, 
Do you remember the gas station we passed 40 miles uh, ago? Well, at the gas station, he no longer want to come into the car again. So I talked to him, I tried to convince him, but he was really clear. He just don't want to come into the car. So, so I left him. What are your reaction? We're like, what? That's crazy. Well, if we are a family, we can we cannot afford to not to not all come together. As a family of God, we must do everything that it's possible to us to come together. Let us consider how to love each other. How do I help my brother persevere? Sometimes we're fighting or arguing instead of thinking how I can bring more fruit in my brother's life. How can I stimulate my brother to love? What can I say? What can I do to make my brother to be a more fruitful Christian? How can I help my brother so that he doesn't want to stay in the gas station? Well, one of the answers that the author in Hebrews is telling us is do, do not stop gathering. And to, to congregate, to, to be a congregant and be active, plays a key role to encourage, to love, and to good works. We do not want to be legalistic and say that you are sinning or in the risk of apostasy if you aren't in all the services and in all the activities and all the community groups and that you must return to congregate immediately next Sunday? Of course not. We understand that there's different stages in life that suddenly doesn't allow us to congregate as much as we would like. But we must take care that our personal routines are not stimulating us to laziness or selfishness or rivalry, because the author exhorts us to encourage ourselves to be together. That's important. And I must say, brothers, that when the pandemic started and we stopped gathering, it was just beautiful to see how people respond when we were forced to stay home. It was beautiful to see people making masks to our brothers and sisters that are nurses and doctors and health providers and how you were praying for them every single day at 6 p.m. It was beautiful to see that you guys were sending them messages of encouragement and also people organizing themselves to call people or make a meal for those who had a baby or those who were sick and taking care of each other. It was beautiful. And I have to say, I was very proud of our church because I was seeing Christians who profess Christ, professing Christ in their actions. And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. And we can do better. But I also want to say it was beautiful to see. And now... With the social situation we are experiencing, it is that it's so complex and polarizing. I see many of you trying to listen and to learn and to talk and to be loving and respectful towards each other, despite the fact that there may be different ideas and how to understand this phenomenon. But it's beautiful to see the demonstration that only can happen in the Church of Christ of people be willing to be humbled and to listen. It's hard. I'm not saying it's not. But the author of Hebrews is calling us 
to be together and to reassure that all of us will persevere no matter what we were doing and it's beautiful to know we were doing it by zoom and right now we will be able to do it in person next week god willing as a family we understand that sometimes life is very hard but our family loves each other sometimes the trials hurt too much sometimes to be together is hard but please let us not reach glory and ask ourselves where someone is because we don't see them we wish that our heart in our hearts that we all will arrive together we know that not all of all the people that profess or confess christ as lord are saved not every single person that says that they love jesus are saved and the things that i don't know when god is going to call me to his presence i don't know when the lord is going to call you to his presence so this brings a sense of urgency to say and to preach and to encourage each other it says at the end of the verse that we have to exhort each other and more when we see that the day is drawing near sometimes we need to correct each other but it has to be made in the spirit of love and meekness we need to exhort ourselves but we have to call ourselves just to account but in humility and in love because the day is near hebrews 3 12 says and let, let's see what hebrews 3 12 says is it says take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living god and this is such a sad passage but it's also a great reminder and a huge exhortation this text speaks about that apostasy is real and that is why it's so important to exhort each other and to gather together the text speaks of apostasy yes but it talks also about encouraging and exhorting the brothers and the sisters we know that we can do things and we can talk to people and we can be moving to other people sometimes we don't know how effective that is but we have to trust that that's on god's hands he decides sometimes to use one word or one action that we did to save someone or to bring someone back to the faith and to and to the gathering with the saints and that's a privilege only god knows who saved only god knows who has a true heart for christ right now but something that i do know is who calls themselves christians i do know who are my brothers and sisters that come to crossway so i do know i have a responsibility with you and you guys have a responsibility with me and we have a responsibility all together brothers we all know life is hard these very strong trials are coming we are facing super hard situations but our hope is that christ is in glory he's with god the father and we know we have the spirit we have talked about it isn't it we can hope on this earth that our brothers and sisters in our church and in the church of christ 
will come together to approach him in worship. I am sure that we as a generation, we can never see the blessing of gathering in the same way ever again, because we were not able to do it. Do not allow ourselves to assume that we'll be able to gather next week. Don't give for granted that, but be like those children going to Disney. Let's maintain that intensity and excitement because we are in the Holy of Holies and we are able to have communion with God and we are able to fellowship with others who are loving and worshiping and serving the God Almighty. This is an emotional moment because we will be able to see each other next week. So I want to exhort you and to get all of you excited, brothers and sisters. Let's thank the Lord by the opportunity of gathering together to exhort each other and to be in fellowship and in adoration to our God. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for your worth and thank you for the opportunity of this morning. Father, thank you for all your love and and just what we are listening, that we we have the opportunity to respond to what Christ did of giving us access to the Holy of Holies. Father, I pray especially for our local church here at Crossway that we will be excited and exhorted to encourage each other because we know that the day is near. So, Father, let us get all together as the family that we are. And we pray this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.